This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Whenever we meet together as a church, God always has two things on his agenda for us. And they, they both start with the same thing, and that is we're here to encounter him. And the first is to encounter him through worship and praise because in doing that, it lifts our our hearts and our eyes from the concerns of this life and the distractions of daily living and it puts them up to where he is. And that allows him to take his peace and his presence and put them into our lives. And I pray that you encountered him in that way over the last few minutes. I know I did. Um, the second is that he would encounter us through the teaching and the reading of his word because in the teaching and the reading of his word, God's spirit comes to live in us, bringing us God's power that has the ability to transform our lives. And, and we're going to be learning more about that later on this morning. But those are his two agendas for us. And this is the part of the service where we open our hearts and say, okay, God, speak into my life, teach me, show me things out of your word. As David one time prayed, God, open my eyes that I might see wonderful things from your word. So as I teach you this morning about marriage, that's our goal, that we would encounter the living God. And I'll show you how that'll work in just a few minutes. And Kevin already said something to you about baptism, but I want to say one other thing about baptism for us this morning. It's a symbol in which Christ meets us in a wonderful connection of forgiveness and transformation. It's huge. And I can tell you this. If you've never been baptized as an adult, you have not yet experienced the fullness of Christ in your life. That makes sense to you? Yeah. If you could have experienced it without baptism, he wouldn't give it to us. So as, as I'm teaching this morning, and the reason I bring it up this morning and the reason Kevin does is because it's quite likely that God's going to stir in some, maybe many people this morning. And he's going to say, this is the morning for you to experience that with me. And I want you to be open to that and, and, and to be open to God doing that in your heart and life. Father, in the next few moments as we learn about marriage... God, would you stir in us and do whatever you want that we might truly be here to encounter you. We bless you. We thank you. Teach us now from your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody here has heard the story of Cinderella. We all know how that story goes, right? She's terribly treated by her ugly stepsisters and her ugly stepmother, and her life is a miserable wreck until one night a fairy godmother shows up with a magic wand and touches her and turns her clothing and her hair and everything into something absolutely glittering and spectacular and touches, if I remember right, a pumpkin, isn't it? And it becomes the stagecoach, and she's magically transported to the royal ball where, of course, she ends up dancing with the prince who quite predictably falls in love with her, right? But she has to leave before midnight or she, you know, the spell is off. And so she 
runs from the royal ball and leaves her glass slipper. And of course, the prince takes the glass slipper and goes across the kingdom, locates her, brings her to the palace. They have a fantastic royal wedding and it ends like this. And they what? Lived happily ever after. Here's the first thing I want us to be honest about. Take a look at the screen. And that is, there's something inside each of us that secretly believes not only could Cinderella happen to us, that actually that's the way true love is supposed to be. And sometimes we wonder, wow, why didn't that happen for me? Friends, it's a fairy tale. Okay? If you've ever had a fairy godmother show up at your house and touch you with a wand, raise your hand, stand up, we want to get next to you. It just doesn't happen that way. Yeah. The truth is, some of us right here in this room today sit in the middle of a marriage that's anything but a happily ever after marriage. That's the honest to God truth. Many of us in this room have experienced the opposite of that. And in fact, today we find ourselves single again and or remarried because... Golly, I saw a greeting card one time that (laughs) I bought and sent to one of my best friends just because we have this kind of relationship. And on the outside is this really, really ugly fairy, right? said, hi, I'm the ugly fairy. Whatever I touch turns instantaneously ugly. And you open up the card and says, oh my goodness, I must have beat you to death. Some of us had a marriage that was touched by that fairy, right? And we just got beat to death by it. You know, God has a wonderful message of hope for our lives. And if, and if you're remarried and you find yourself in another marriage, and boy, it's less than perfect. Here's what God says. I want you to see it from his word, and I want you to understand this truth. <clears throat> Happily ever after marriages don't just happen They have to be what? Built. Now, notice what God says we build them on here in Proverbs chapter 24. Homes are built on the foundation of wisdom and understanding. I want you to circle the word foundation because that's going to be a key word picture for us this morning. We're going to talk about the foundation of a solid marriage. And how we're going to do that is we're going to go way back to the very first pages in the Bible to that very first marriage that God personally built himself when he created Adam and he created Eve and he put them together in a marriage and he actually gave them the original instructions about marriage. So we're going to go all the way back there and we're going to learn some lessons about marriage. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 2 and take a look. In verse 18, The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. All the women in the room said, oh, you think it's good for us to be alone? No way. I can't imagine what this world would be like if it was only men. It's not good for men to be alone. What does God say? I will make a helper who is just right for him. I read a survey the other day, and it divided all, the, all the, the adult people in the world into four categories. And they are married men, 
unmarried men, married women, unmarried women. That's pretty easy, right? Did you know of those four categories of people, do you know who turns out to be the happiest? Married men. By a long shot. Married men. God knew what he was talking about when he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, I want to pull over to the side of the road and talk just a minute about that word helper. Because in a male-dominated society, oftentimes that passage is very badly misinterpreted to mean, that's right, babe, I sit in the lazy boy and rule my world, and your job is to help me get it done. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> now, I want you to hear something. That word helper that's translated there is used many, many times throughout the Old Testament. And I'll bet you didn't know this. More often than not, it refers to God. Wow. You going to sit in your lazy boy and order God? Probably not. Yeah. See, when God said, I will make a helper, he's talking about the same kind of help that God brings to us. What God was really saying is, I'm making for Adam the perfect match. Wow. Let's read the next couple of verses because there's a very interesting timing sequence that happens here. <clears throat> God says, I'm going to make a helper suitable for, for Adam. <clears throat> so the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals. I see a problem already. This is not going in the direction Adam is thinking. And all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one, and he gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But there was still no helper suitable for him. In other words, when God brought all these sort of pets and wild animals, and Adam's looking at oxes and zebras and hippopotamuses and rhinoceroses, he's going, it's not going to work for me. You know, they're kind of cool. There's nobody here for me. Right. I wrote in my notes, nice but no match. So now notice what happens next. In the next few verses, he says this. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God <clears throat> took out one of the man's ribs, closed up the opening, and then the Lord God made the woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man at last, the man exclaimed. You know what that is? That's for it's about time. Right? At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Let's learn something here. And what we should learn is that marriage is the foundation for intimate companionship. You can write this in your margin somewhere. There is no more intimate relationship possible on the face of planet Earth than the intimate relationship between a husband and a wife. Between a wife and her husband. Doesn't get any more intimate than that. Close as it gets. By God's design. Further in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. God says this, God blessed them. Again, let me pull over to the side of the road, okay? God didn't, it doesn't say, and God blessed Adam and his helper. It says, God blessed what? Them. And what did he say to them? 
be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and if I went on to read the rest of it, and rule over it. Not just the man, but them together. Be fruitful. That means have kids. Fill the earth. That means have kids. Because marriage is the foundation for raising children. Because as they watch dad and mom explore this most intimate of all relationships, and as they watch mom and dad live that out and grow in that grace and bond together deeper and deeper and deeper, it plants in them the concept, I could do that too. It does not plant in them the concept, it could happen for me. Do you understand the difference? I could do that. I could build that. So this morning, I want to talk to you about three keys to the foundation for a strong, healthy, and vibrant, I call it, a happily ever after marriage. And I had you circle the word foundation because we're going to talk about foundation this morning, and I I brought along an object lesson. Actually, I brought along two object lessons. And you can start right here in the middle. This is rock, this is water, and this is cement. Okay? So I put it like this. You can kind of go either way, all right? In your life, you could do rock, paper, scissors, and rochambeau it and hope it turns out for you. Okay? Or you can do rock, water, and concrete. If you're going to build a house, which would you choose? Yeah, you choose the rock, the water, and the, and the concrete. And rightfully so. Now, each one of those is going to represent a very, very important component of, of what God says as we read on in this passage, what God says is necessary for a healthy and solid foundation in marriage. So let's start with the, with the, with the cement, okay? Let's read on in what God says here in Genesis chapter 2. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined. I want you to circle the word joined and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. You see, the the concept of joining is what this cement is all about. I brought my 10-year-old grandson up here this morning on the stage and he said to me, Poppy, what have you got up there? And so I said, well, this is rocks, this is water, and this is cement. And so we're gonna, I'm going to teach people this morning how to build the foundation of a good marriage. And I asked him, I said, Theo, what happens if you combine water and rock? He said, you get wet rocks. I said, Theo, what happens if you combine cement and rocks? He said, you get dusty rocks. Yeah. I said, what happens when you combine cement and water? He said, you get a smooth concrete. I said, is it very strong? He said, probably not. Very true. We're going to talk about how God puts these together. Cement stands for exclusive commitment. Absolutely exclusive commitment. And I want you to write down these two words under there. Write down the word the words, no rivals. 
If you're going to have a happily ever after marriage, you're going to have to send your spouse a message day after day after day after day. And the message is going to have to say in various forms, dear, there is no one in this world who rivals you for my affection. You have no rivals, period. Now, the interesting thing about Adam and Eve was Adam never wondered how life would have turned out if he had married his high school sweetheart. Because it was just him and Eve, right? That's all he had. Eve never wondered what life would be like if she had married somebody else. But can I tell you, just as Adam and Eve never questioned whether there was any rival for their affection, I want to charge you, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to give to your spouse this week and every other week a very simple message. And that is, darling, there is no rival in this world for my affection for you. You have no rivals. And in a little misapplication of the last song, it's just you and me. Got it? Yeah. I want you to take your Connect card. Because on the back of the Connect card, there's a place for you to apply the teaching. So grab that card that's in there. And if you look down under Apply the Teaching Today, you notice that one of the things that it says is sometime during the next two weeks, I will date my spouse. And the purpose of that date, what I'm going to express on that date is, dear, there, there is no rival to you for my affection. It is just you and me. And that's why we're here together. So that's the cement. Let's take a look. Let's take a Yeah, I see husbands and wives going, you better take me out. Okay. All right. So, yeah, let's go to number two. And then and let's, talk about, let's talk about water for a minute. Because we all know that in the real world, and even here, water is transparent. And God has some things to say about transparency. Take a look at the screen. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. I'm thinking that's about as transparent as you can get. Right? They're both standing there stark naked as a jaybird. Why? Because God wants that to be a symbol for you and me that if we're going to have a happily ever after marriage, there can be no secrets. None. Just like you wrote down no rivals. I want you to write down no secrets. Guys, no checking account your wife doesn't know about. No mailbox that you get mail separate from her. Nothing on your computer that she doesn't know about. Are you on board? I know, I quit preaching, started meddling where you live, right? Women, listen to me, ladies. No secret emotional affair with Aston Kutcher. Yeah. Now, I could go on and on on those lists for quite a while. What I want you to know is that if you're going to have a happily ever after marriage, there has to be a transparency, a a complete and full disclosure that takes place in your marriage at all times. Because if you don't have that, you're going to have dusty rocks. Got it? Because you're going to have only cement and rocks. You're not going to have any water. 
So transparency is just going over three. The third one is rock. And you know, all the way throughout Scripture, over and over again, the Bible says God is our rock. Jesus is our rock. It even refers to faith and hope as our rock. It's this whole concept of connecting with God and having God as a part of our lives. Which is why the psalmist says it like this in Psalm chapter 127. He said, unless the Lord builds a house, those who work on it are wasting their time. The, the, the work of the builders is wasted. I can tell you for sure that if you take cement and you combine it with water and you put no rock in it, it will never be as strong as if you put rock in the mix. It just doesn't have that staying ability. Now listen to me. You can take this message this morning and you could apply point number one and point number two. And you could go out of here and you could have a stronger marriage than you have today. But hear me. If you don't have a mutual faith, if you don't invite Christ into your marriage, if both you and your wife or you and your husband don't invite Christ into your life, then he never brings his supernatural power and you'll never be any stronger than concrete with no rock. You know, you want to build your house on it because it will collapse and fail. It's the rock that adds the real strength. It takes all three. I want to tell you a story and then we'll, we'll go and we'll do a couple of application things. Last month, Monica and I celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary. Take that, Kathy. <laughs> just teasing, just teasing, all right? <laughs> so I like to put it like this. We've been married for three kids, four decades, and five grandkids. There you go. We celebrated that together. But now I want to back up the train a couple of months prior to that. Monica and I have never had serious fights. We've never, ever used the D word. Never any of that stuff. But we looked at each other a couple of months before our 40th wedding anniversary, and we both said, there's something missing in our marriage. We both went to prayer about it. We came back and we realized, and I alluded to this a couple of weeks ago, but we realized that somewhere along the way, the two of us had gotten preoccupied with all the other things in life, all other worthy causes. We got involved in our kids' lives and grandkids' lives and in the church and all sorts of other things. But in the process, we lost the joy of the two of us being a family. We both came to that conclusion at the same time, and we said, what can we do about that? I want to tell you some of the things that we have done that have just been, well, I can tell you this, there's no going back, because it's too much fun, okay? We get up together, which means we go to bed together. So, no more, and I know if your kids are gone, and yeah, okay, you can... Falling asleep in the recliner. No. We, we go to bed together. We have a go-to-bed time. 
we both know at 10 o'clock we're going to bed together. We have a get-up time. We both know somewhere between 5.15 and 5.30 we're getting out of bed. You can pick your own go-to-bed times and get-up times. Okay? Um, we both know, okay, at 6.15 we're sitting down to the breakfast table together. We both know that we're going to have family devotions while we eat our breakfast together. We're going to read a passage from God's Word. And, and we're going to process it together. And we're going to pray together. And we both know that we're going to come back together that night. And we're going to eat together at dinner. Does that sound simple? It is pretty simple. Okay? But what it's done is it's put all three of these back in our relationship. Not that there was ever a loss of mutual uh, uh, faith or exclusive commitment. We weren't about to run out on each other. But there wasn't the combination. So I want to share with you something I, I brought along. Because every time I talk about family devotions, I know there are people, <clears throat> many people who say, I'd like to do that, but I don't have a clue. You're a pastor. You can you might probably have the Bible memorized. You sit there and go, okay, I'm going to quote from Ezekiel 42 this morning. Sit up and listen, babe. <laughs> well, that's not exactly how it works. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> but what I did bring is I brought a devotional book, and I put the link for it in your notes. Okay. I can tell you, again, we've been married for 40 years and probably for 35 of those 40 years, Monica and I have had regular devotions together, either with our family when our kids were young or, or after that. Okay? Best book I've ever done in terms of devotion for a husband and a wife. And so I want to highly recommend it. That's why I put it in there. There are 365 daily devotions. You just go look up the date. There's a short scripture at the beginning, and it's well explained, and, and it's just great. So it's called Experiencing God Day by Day. This book, for those of you with elementary children, was given to uh, me by one of the families of the church. It's called Sticky Situations Number 2, which would indicate there might be a Sticky Situations Number 1, probably. And it's great devotions, family devotions, for those of you who have small children. I also put a link in there uh, for you for that. Because I want you to be able to experience the fullness that comes from having a mutual faith in the center of your relationship. So now I want you to go back to that Connect card because there's an option on your Connect card that says, we will commit to having daily devotions as a couple slash family. And I want to give God a chance to stir in your heart and your life about that. Because I can tell you that that will, as you invite God into your life day after day in a practical way, He brings His superhuman, His divine transformation into your lives. And friends, you can't get that without Him. Then I want to close with a simple exercise. If you have been married 10 years or less, would you stand, please? <clears throat> 10 years or less. Way to go, Kevin. 
married Maria for me to be married for 40 years. So I just want to throw that out <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. All right. There that you go. It was 10 years before I was actually born, yeah, so it'd be right, a little yeah, bit difficult to okay, so be married good. 40 years. <laughs> that's good. I have something I want to say to you, okay? Did you know that the first 10 years of marriage are marriage's most vulnerable years? Statistics reveal that in years 5 through 8 are when most divorces take place. So I have a word of encouragement to you, okay? Take what we've learned this morning and embrace it into your life so that you don't become one of those statistics. If you have a spouse who's not here, don't don't just drag them to church, but to whatever degree they are capable of hearing this message, share it lovingly with them. You can... Go ahead and have a seat. For those of you who have been married 10 to 25 years, would you stand, please? I have a word for you. And the word is, you have statistically beaten the odds. Congratulations. (laughs) But here's the flip side to that. The flip side is this. More than likely, these are the years where you're raising your children and it's very easy for you to get distracted from these three and to find your marriage faltering because you have put all your energies into something else. I want to encourage you, take the time to make your marriage a priority so that you get to fit into the next category. You guys can have a seat. And if you've been married 25 to 40 years, would you stand, please? This is the age at which usually your kids leave home and you look at each other and say, who are you? Okay? I want to encourage you in that, okay? Because there's another area of vulnerability. We all know people who after 25 or more years of marriage who have called it quits, right? We've all heard of those people. Friends, that doesn't happen by accident. It happens by years of neglect. So I want to encourage you to make every effort to re-strike the fire in your marriage. Keep it burning brightly in these 25 to 40 years. These should be happy and productive years for you. You can have a seat. All of us who are 40 years and more, would you stand? Yes. I have a word for you. And the word is this. You play a vitally important role at New Life because you communicate by who you are to all the rest of us that we can do what you have done. So thanks for leading the way, setting the example. Now everyone who stood up prior, would you stand up please? I'm going to lead in a word of prayer and I'm going to turn it over to Kevin. Father, I pray for every single person standing here today and for every mate represented who's not here. Lord, would you make these marriages happily ever after marriages because they're built on the foundation that you have given. Lord, would you give wisdom to everyone? Would you help them to respond as you've called them to this morning? And God, I pray for another group. 
I pray for the group of people sitting in our audience this morning who are not yet married but someday will. Would you take this lesson, this teaching from your word, would you help them to embrace it so that they know how to build even a healthy dating relationship and then a marriage after? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.